In the episode of I Think Therefore I Fan you're about to listen to, the following works are discussed. The Good Place, No Exit, This is the Place, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, Harry Potter, Mean Girls, Boardwalk Empire, Penny Dreadful, The Turning, The Turning of the Screw, Lost in Space, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Gretel and Hansel, AMI, and Fantasy Island. You've been warned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to I Think, Therefore I Fan, a pop culture and philosophy podcast. On this podcast, we'll explore the most compelling philosophical themes as we find them in all of everyone's favorite fandoms. We are your hosts. I'm Dr. Richard Green. And I'm Dr. Rachel Robison Green. Hello, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. So, that music can only mean no things. <laughs> that music doesn't sound like anything. So what, what are we doing? We're talking about the, the series finale of The Good Place, which just wrapped up. Um, and we wanted some Good Place-esque music. And that's sort of as close as we got. So last week, we had... The Academy Awards um, of philosophy, we called them the the Flosskers, um, and it's a shame that we're not going to do the the Emmy Awards of philosophy, right? Because they could be the Flemmies. <laughs> um, but if we were to have a, a Flemmies, the good place would get every single award. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. Um, we, we should dive in to the details of the show before I just gush for the next half hour. But I do want to say, damn, that was a fantastic way to wrap up the, the series. I thought so, too. So what, what do you think? What are, the, what are the philosophical high points? Are you wanting to focus just on the, this last season? Or yeah, throughout? yeah. I mean, we can say a little bit about both. Uh, so I thought the, you know, the whole thing was great. Um, there's a turn at the end. So definitely turn this off if you haven't seen The Good Place and you don't want spoilers because uh, these are, there are some pretty significant spoilers we'll offer here. And it's such a fun uh, final couple of episodes that you really right, probably right. don't want them spoiled. And, and on the webpage, I put a big spoiler warning. But mm-hmm. if you're downloading this on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, you, you won't necessarily see that before you listen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got the spoiler warning at the beginning, but this is a huge spoiler warning. So I'll start by saying, I mean, I think that the entire season, um, you know, it's it's on its face about what happens after death. Mm-hmm. But what's sort of interesting about it is that they're very noncommittal about a lot of, um, of, of the philosophical topics that normally concern us when it comes to what's going to happen after we die, like whether God exists mm-hmm. or, um, you know, if one particular religion or other is true and the kind of religious retributive elements of, um, you know, how, how a person is rewarded and punished in the afterlife. They, they take those on in sort of a, uh, at least the one about um, how people are punished, they take that on in sort of a, a fun, funny way, but they aren't tackling any like substantive 
um, issues, I don't think, in theology or anything. They kind of just brush that off. Yeah, and in fact, a lot of the, the punishment is sort of contingent, right? So mm -hmm. every area of hell, the bad place, mm -hmm. has an architect. And so you might go to a particular architect's region, and if they're particularly good at being an architect, you're really going to suffer, mm -hmm. right? Regardless of what you did. Yeah. And if they're not so good at it, um, as Michael kind of turned out to be. Um, Although he's the originator of the idea, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you end up in, you know, traditional hell, you get traditional punishments. But if you are lucky enough to end up in Michael's neighborhood, right, mm -hmm. then you get whatever he has to offer. And it, and it seems really variable. Mm -hmm. So I think... One thing about uh, The Good Place is that in a, in a way it's a more cheerful, comedic exploration of the themes that Jean-Paul Sartre explores in No Exit, mm -hmm. um, which is this idea that hell is other people. Right. Um, right. Well, Mike, Michael does a really lousy job at this because he ends up putting together like the very best friends ever. And, and, and joins them, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. With, so, so. You know, with, with, um, with Janet, they're essentially not to go all... Um, Hangover, um, you know, Galifianakis, but they're the six best friends that anyone ever had, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Sartre's Hell as Other People is, you know, um, these, are, these are people in hell and they don't want the others to see them for what they are and yet they, their personalities are so out there, they can't help it. And, and people are painfully aware that everyone sees them for what they are. In the good place, it seems a little different from that, and that it's just they're just supposed to annoy each other, right? They're they're supposed to not kind of match up or not be the soulmates they want them to be. Or mm -hmm. um, I think it the the idea is simpler than Sartre's, which sure. is they're just going to get on one another's nerves. And, yeah, um, but that's that's not like a traditional religious conception of hell. And in fact, at the beginning of um, the season, Michael says something like, well, every religion's 10% right, except for Doug Forsett, who in a drug-induced stupor imagined the whole exact precise way in which heaven and hell would work. Mm -hmm. um, and then proceeds to, uh, Forsett is kind of like a, a gentle ribbing at Peter Singer, at least Peter Singer's philosophy, right? This effective altruism do the most good you can do kind of thing. So you got mm -hmm. four sets saving snails and things like that. Yeah, and he's exactly the guy you, that students worry about when you teach them utilitarianism. And they go, you're going to be calculating consequences for forever. Right. Yeah, that's that's what he's there doing. Just become a utility generator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, although, arguably, one way in which he parts ways with someone like Singer is uh, that he's, well... Actually, this this would probably be fine for a utilitarian, but he's doing good for the wrong reasons, mm -hmm. right? But right. since consequentialism isn't that concerned with intentions, that's probably all right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and even and even though he has it all right, kind of the hell of the, no pun intended, is that he's absolutely wrong because the the demons have it rigged, right? The utilitarian calculus, this is earlier in the series, never comes into play. Because they, they've got it set up that no one can make their way. I don't, you know, I had a different interpretation of it, that it, it wasn't that the demons have it rigged. It's that in a way, and this is, again, a, a, a social commentary. Um, 
But in a way, the world has it rigged because at an earlier time in the universe, it would have been easier for human beings to get into heaven if what heaven is is a point system, right? Because their actions have limited consequences. You know, say we were living in um, in small tribes or whatever. No single one of our actions or even collections of our actions are going to matter that much, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we can't hurt the climate, for example, that, that badly, um, it's, it's hard for us to do harm on a mass scale, even to others. Um, but as things progressed, we became a more globalized society in certain ways. That's good. We have, you know, faster access to resources and so on. Uh, but we also, in every consumer choice we make, we can do so much harm, right? And so your numbers are always going to be bad, no matter how hard you try. Right. Nowadays, everybody with a half-baked philosophical idea has a podcast that they can broadcast out in the world and cause all kinds of suffering, suffering, chaos, mayhem, and so forth. So even though on its face, The Good Place is about death, it really is about life. And in particular, I think that it's the whole series is about how to live a good life. And it makes several key points with regard to that. But... Um, so th- this is why I think these theological issues aren't explored because this isn't really a show about the afterlife. It's a show about um, character development toward l- flourishing as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the whole show is kind of virtue theoretic, kind of Aristotelian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, each of the characters improve as people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and they teach one another lessons. They have certain you know they each serve as one another's role models on mm-hmm. how to improve uh, as moral agents and then uh then you then then we get to the end of the show um and the end of the show i think is actually about death and it's about how um coming to terms with one's own death is part of what it is to live a flourishing human life mm-hmm. right right and and part of the meaning of life is that has it something ends. to do with the, the fact yeah, yeah. That, that it yeah. ends that one's dead um, just backing up a little bit to the, the virtue stuff, right? Um, you, you don't see this anywhere near as much as you do with um, um, Jason's character, mm-hmm. right? Um, he's kind of a slime ball, uh, you know, he's a drug dealer, all this stuff, and then becomes a Buddhist monk, essentially, yeah. right? So, so he's an interesting case, so that's right. I mean, um, he's always kind of good. He's good-hearted the whole time. Yeah, I actually wonder when I think about Jason, though... Whether, I guess everybody ends up in the bad place or, or the a good, the vast majority of people. I think that they say at some point that nobody has gotten into the good place for 500 years. Right. Or, that was uh, that numbers being rigged thing that yeah. I was trying to allude to. So, yeah. Yeah. Jason is an interesting case because arguably among the friends, he's the one that belongs in the bad place the least. Mm-hmm. Even though, like you said, I, I agree with the, the character development that you're describing. Um, that he I, One of the things that, that kind of transitions him from... Uh, the guy who was hanging out with Donkey Doug mm-hmm. and the guy, the monk at the end is that he he actually does attain some wisdom of some kind. Yeah, yeah. Not maybe in the traditional sense, but uh, the reason why I say he belongs in the good or in the bad place the least is that um, he, the, the way the character's written, he just seems oblivious to the facts, right? So right. when he performs an action that's wrong. It's not in full view of the wrongness of the action, right? I mean, it's it's almost we never take 
um, nuance into consideration in our um, criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, you, you know, and we tend to focus on whether the defendant knew the difference between right and wrong. Um, but in Jason's case, it may be the case that he's not even in a lot of these cases, he's not even like thinking about those concepts. Yeah, just like doing it's, what he does. So yeah. he's, he's about as morally culpable as say a wolf or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Animal nature. Yeah, and, and as I mentioned, I mean, he has a very good character the whole time. Uh-huh. His his badness is all just bad deeds, right? It's things you yeah. stipulate about him. Oh, yeah. you know, he... He tried to steal this and that. And yeah, he, he stole yeah. things and sold drugs and yeah. whatnot. But, but he was always nice to people and decent. And, yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. his character in some ways, um, despite the fact that he's not reflective about it, was, was more morally developed at the outset than Tahani, who, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and also Eleanor, right? They're both sort of pretty shallow and right, and and um, could be reflective upon it, but just don't choose to be, right? They're content with the fact that they're content with their present selves when they enter mm-hmm. the the bad place. But yeah, Eleanor's uh, all like, fork that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Chidi. I mean, the, being indecisive is a really well, they portray it as if that's the reason why he's in the bad place, but he's really just in the bad place because everybody's in the bad place again. But yeah. uh, but the, but they at least identify that element as the thing that is deserving of improvement because the whole show trajectory is this like um, overcoming one's vices, um, arriving at some form of moderation with regard to one's passions and so on, and. Um, yeah. desires I'm, and stuff. I mean, there's something sort of very Buddhist about this. But again, as we were saying earlier, it's not committed to, you know, this isn't a metaphor for Buddhism or anything. But there's this idea that um, Chidi throughout his life had the opportunity to overcome some character defect, right? Not mm-hmm. something that made him a bad person, but just mm-hmm. kind of a weakness of character, that yeah. the, the inability to make even the simplest decisions. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in the last episode, you actually see him choosing to end his Yeah, the most significant choice you can make. Right? So maybe let's back up and talk about what happens in the last two episodes. Yeah, good, right? good. So, uh, because there are interesting <clears throat> philosophical issues to explore in each. So uh, in the second to last episode, um, the our, our cast of characters um, are finally, um, they finally go to the good place for real not just what they believe to be the good place run by michael but the actual good place um and what they find there they find lisa kudrow who mm-hmm. is uh hypatia um ancient greek philosopher and um she seems a little off not exactly what you would expect out of hypatia and it's revealed she some has she has some moments of lucidity and it's revealed that um the good place is terrible Mm-hmm. And the reason the good place is terrible is that everything is so good all the time yeah. uh, that it's boring. And, and not only is she bored, I mean, it's kind of slowed her brain down to mush, right? Yeah. That's the sense mm-hmm. of which she's off. She's, yeah, right, um, right. There's no intellectual stimulation. Everything's just uh, the height of goodness all the time. Yeah. Uh, any, any, anything you, uh, any desire you want satisfied is satisfied instantly. And, and because of that, over a long period of time, she only really seemed to care about milkshakes, right? It just, I mean, she even <laughs> yeah. got bored with... Yeah, philosophy and uh, thinking yeah. deeply about life, right? Um, yeah, I think this is this is something that comes up in my classes a lot. Um, I think that in this 
in this episode, the issue is explored, or they just kind of stipulate one answer to this question. This is the question about whether you need contrast. Um, you know, do you need um, other types of experiences in order to value good ones? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I mean, and, and I, I kind of have, um, I'm split on this question. I think the good place makes a decent case for that position. Um, but I sometimes think like, look, uh, if I eat an ice cream cone and it tastes good, it doesn't also have to be the case that someone's once hit me on the foot with an anvil or something like that. Right, I don't, right. I, the reason why the ice cream tastes good is because of what it does to my taste buds. Right. And, and I don't need to have had something terrible in contrast, Right, right. but the kinds of badness that you might need in your life is, are, um, the types that involve struggle to arrive at achievements. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, you know, all the, the, there's, there's a lot of struggle involved with graduate school. And uh, the, the day I found out my dissertation was, had been accepted was one of the happiest days of my life. And I don't know if it would have been that happy were it not for how much I had to struggle. Right, right. And, and that it's something that needs to happen in a finite period of time. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you had eternity to produce a doctoral dissertation yeah. and get a committee to like mm-hmm. it, the you know were you to spend one hundred and fifty thousand years of that eternity, which is infinity, doing it, it wouldn't be very. You wouldn't think, oh, yeah. I did this thing, right? You right. could type one character every month for a long period of time. It's it's the pressure that goes with it. Yeah, regardless of whether we become immortal or something, never tell a graduate student that they have 150 years to write a dissertation because yeah. they will just take every minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, since I, I know a lot of grad students, um, listen, if you're listening now, if you don't finish your dissertation this semester, they might kick you out. So <laughs> turn this off and, and go to work. So you mentioned your students. I wanted to just bring up something and then we'll, we'll sort of come back to this main point. Um, we had an interesting discussion in one of my classes this week. So the idea is that um, the Seth Rogen film, This is the End, right, where he and, and his friends end up in heaven. And they're, you know, they just, they're just there very briefly, but they're told, whatever you want, just think of it, and it happens. So one guy thinks of being on a Segway, and then they're all, they're all on Segways, and mm-hmm. one guy thinks of some marijuana, and suddenly they've all got joints in their hands. And then, of course, one guy thinks of the Backstreet Boys, and then of course. The, the Backstreet Boys are playing, and it's like... This is it. And I, I, you can take this. I doubt anyone was thinking of it. You could take The Good Place as a response to that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that conception of the afterlife. It's a common one. Is it, but is it that good? Yeah. Right? And the, and the fact that, you know, um, everybody in The Good Place either left, killed themselves, except for the world's laziest person got a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's some condemnation of the this is the end boy, wouldn't it be great if you could just listen to the Backstreet Boys and ride Segways all the time, kind of, um, you know, conception of God. Or yeah. in Bonnie Python's The Meaning of Life, where every day is Christmas in heaven, right? It's like, not that would be old almost instantly. Yeah. So recognizing this, uh, Michael, so it was when Michael uh, and the crew get to heaven, the the committee that runs heaven just bolts and puts Michael in charge because they recognize that it's kind of a mess, right? Um, because everybody's brains turned to mush. So they they had been scheming about various ways to make heaven better, mm-hmm. um, but they didn't really realize that you're not going to make this situation better by just 
um, providing the citizens of heaven with more good things. Yeah, they're just piling on good stuff, and it was getting worse and worse right. and worse. So they come up with this idea that um, the way to resolve this problem is to create a way for existence to actually end. And I think here's where the good place tackles the idea that part of living a good life is coming to terms with one's own death. So, um, so people can choose. They don't have to choose. They can stay in heaven forever. Or they can choose to walk through a door, and when they walk through the door, they'll no longer exist. So it's 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 death in a true sense. It's death in the mortal sense. Right. Your your atoms or whatever you have in the afterlife um, split up and go into the universe, and you're not sentient anymore. There, you've mm-hmm. disintegrated. Um, literally, mm-hmm. you're you're just gone. Yeah. And so it's it's not the threat of death that that makes things meaningful, but just the, the mere fact of death, right? Um, and perhaps this is a statement about free will, right? That, that you can choose death mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, confers meaning on the things that you do under those circumstances. Although they're, they're noncommittal about free will in this, but presumably that's lurking behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, a lot of people... I, I, so most of the people that I've encountered have been like, Wow, that was an excellent ending, and that—that's definitely my assessment. I think it was an like just about as perfect an ending you can get as you can get. A lot of the care, a lot of uh, people too, though, although no nowhere near as many, I think, thought the ending was um, very dark for a lighthearted show, because what ends up happening is that people, our favorite characters, in many cases, go through the door. Mm-hmm. Um, they choose to end their own existence. And, and the one who does it first is Jason, which, or well, he at least chooses to do it first. Yeah, right. Um, but. Yeah, and um, the people that I talked to that didn't like it, um, didn't, they cited what you just said, but they didn't have quite the same reason. They weren't like, okay, that was this is a sitcom and that was dark and I don't like it when sitcoms get dark. Mm-hmm. But it's something closely related, which was, it just made them too sad. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, I don't think anybody kind of thought it was a bad idea that I didn't talk to anyone that thought the payoff of the series, you know, that that life and the afterlife is meaningful because it can end and all that was a bad philosophical idea. Um, some people didn't like it just because it was, it was a bummer. I mean, you know, when, when Jason chose to go through, I was like, oh, no, no, stop. Don't don't let this happen. And then as it did, and, you know, when the show went on and one after another went through, Mm-hmm. Um, I got more and more bummed out, uh, but that was, you know, compensated for by the fact that I spent the next two weeks thinking about yeah. almost nothing but the good place <laughs> and really loving it and really feeling satisfied. Yeah. I think some of the parts that were hard to deal with in particular, I mean, um, at, at a certain point, both Chidi and, um, Eleanor choose to go through the door. Um, and Chidi goes through the door before Eleanor. Um, and one thing that you're kind of left wondering is like, you tend to think that, um, if you could be with your loved ones for eternity, you would be with your loved ones for eternity, right? That you would never, why on earth would you ever, so long as you loved those loved ones, why would you ever choose to voluntarily leave them? Mm -hmm. And, you know, Chidi and Eleanor's relationship is great, but at a certain stage, Chidi just reaches this piece and is like, I'm done. Not with the relationship, you know? But with being on, it, it, with but with existing, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And and it's 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 not a 
a resentful or an angry response or a, you know, a, a, a response filled with existential dread or anything like that. It's just a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in fact, Eleanor didn't want him to do it. and Because she wasn't ready yet. Right. And he said, fine, then I, I won't. And then she realized that she should. And actually, that he his should, yeah. death was a gift that she was able to give to him. Right. Mm-hmm. That, right. Right. So, uh, yeah. Um, Chidi has this great speech toward the end. So I, I think that the whole thing ends in a very, uh, in a way that's consistent with Eastern philosophy and explicitly so, right? That yeah. Chidi talks about the example of the, the, the Buddhist example of the wave returning to the sea, mm-hmm. right? That it's... Yeah, um, it's not in the same form. It's not yeah. a wave going back out yeah. in the way yeah. that it is coming in. So just this kind of idea that... Um, we live and we come to a point where, um, I don't know, we, uh, and I don't know that you're exactly exploring this Buddhist idea, but somewhat, right? Uh, the Buddhist idea that, um, one ought to rid oneself of desires. I mean, they're not explicitly trying to rid oneself of the desires by getting rid of desire itself, but they, but they satisfy all their desires in heaven. And then the yeah. point at the point at which they're ready to become one with everything, it's at that point where, they don't desire anything. Including to go on. Right? Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's not mm-hmm. like you've lost the will to live. It's like mm-hmm. you've lost the desire for any kind of experience you could possibly have. Yeah. And then when they go through the door, the way they show them disintegrating is seems very Buddhist-y yeah. in the uh-huh. joining the universe. Yeah. You, you see a little bit of Eleanor bumping into a guy that bumps into... Yeah, I really like that, except for that I, I, I hope that we're only supposed to take it metaphorically uh, because the whole idea of going through the door is that you don't exist. Yeah, no, wasn't, I, mean, I don't think you're supposed to think she was doing anything intentional. I just think you think some part of her might bump into some part of one of the other ones, but they're, uh-huh. no, no one's experiencing that. It's just yeah. you're all part of the universe. It's a, it's a whole but one of the weird things about that, I guess, not that I'm, I really don't want to be critical of the final episode at all, but just as we're talking about it is like they ceased to be comprised of physical stuff at the point at which they went to the bad place to begin with in the mm-hmm. first season. And so what exactly is it that's turning into these little flakes of stuff? Like there's no physical stuff there. Right. right. <laughs> but anyway, the, the show never tries to be metaphysically sound. Yeah, <laughs> there's like, you know, you can draw a, a weird giraffe and Pictionary and all of a sudden it's running, it's running around town yeah it's it's a kind of goo um (laughs) when you die you're you're goo essentially so the michael story Uh is also i think philosophically um compelling right so um he's got a different journey it's not a journey from you know deficient character to good character um but throughout the whole season he's he's gaining humanity i mean he's you know by hypothesis, a demon, right. uh, but he's sort of obsessed with humans, um, which makes him a horrible architect, right? Because as much as he wants to torture them, and um, he does seem committed to that kind of early on, um, he likes human culture, he likes human artifacts, he's got all these toys, he thinks it would be cool to do human things, he wants to get a rewards card. And... He reminds me of the Weasley's dad on Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> say more, so... Oh, he just likes everything concerned with human beings. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my, my Harry Potter knowledge is not that great four or five years later. So. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, you know, in in the end, um, they are able to set it up that he can actually go and have desires, right? He's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the exact opposite. Um, so this is sort of decidedly anti-Buddhist. It's not a desires are bad thing. It's, it's Yeah, that's interesting. Desires are the kinds of things you want to get rid of at some point. Desires are the kinds of things that you might want to take on. You might want to experience some, that. Some yeah. other point. I mean, because... Because he just wanted a bunch of little stuff. He wanted to learn to play guitar. Um, a nice cameo with his real-life wife, Mary Steenburgen, his, his guitar instructor. He mm -hmm. wanted to collect some some objects. Um, wanted to live in an apartment. He, he wanted to say, take it sleazy. Yeah, he, he, he did get to say, take it sleazy. So that was <laughs> nice. Because uh, if you remember earlier in the series, he said he wanted to say, take it sleazy. And Tahani says... You can, and then says, "Take it sleazy to him," and he's like, "Oh, you just, you just said it." And she's like, "You can say it too," and he's like, "No, that won't be any good, right? That's that's ruined." Um, yeah, it, it, so yeah, he does get to take it sleazy. <laughs> so one bit in the finale that that kind of stands out as um, sort of a little unusual, given that they were doing all this kind of heavy stuff with. Um, you know, Janet and Jason and Eleanor and um, Katie and then Michael becoming a real boy and all that is Eleanor going to the medium place on a kind of humanitarian mission, right? So what, what, what did you make of that? Well, this is sort of how Eleanor, the last thing that Eleanor needs to do as far as her character development is concerned before she's ready to go through the door. So, and I think that the whole show was building to this moment, too. I mean, you really saw a, a careful crafting of all of the seasons of the show, I think, leading up to this moment. Um, where before, uh, St. Clair was just like kind of a comedic... Yeah. Like a... She liked cocaine. She liked sex. Right. Right. Um, she kind actually... Of, kind of cantankerous. She becomes a, a really important figure in telling the last part of this story. So um, Eleanor sees a lot of herself in St. Clair. Um, I think she's Mindy St. Clair. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so before she leaves, she wants to communicate to St. Clair how her existence might be better. So um, St. Clair doesn't really want to do anything but cocaine and and just kind of have a mediocre existence in her mm -hmm. in her McMansion house um but Eleanor convinces her to try to work her way up to the good place because what she convinces her of is this idea that she ought to try to make friends and so one contribution that the good place makes to philosophy and meaning in life discussions is this idea that um Flourishing as a human being is a social experience, and it happens with with the people that we're close to, um, or that uh, in an ideal scenario, you know, the the best, the most, the uh, the good life is one lived with friends. Mm -hmm. And so she teaches Mindy St. Clair that, and then Eleanor's ready to go through the door. Yeah, and I I like what you're getting at because when I was watching it I was thinking it's like well she needed to save somebody right because she, she saves this person mm -hmm. but she didn't to go through the door she had already saved the world right so yeah. it, it has to be this other kind of message about the value of friendship yeah they tell all these other stories about um, 
about Eleanor, you know, so they show, they do a flashback to when she's in middle school or something and people are trying to be friends um, in the lunchroom and she's like, I don't want any part of that, right? She's she's rejecting yeah. the popular kids, but this isn't like, uh, this isn't a retelling of Mean Girls or something. She's saying no to everybody, right? She she wants to make her own rules. She wants to have her own life. She doesn't, doesn't want her friends to bog her down. And then she learns that that's like the has been the mi biggest mistake in her life before she she died the first time right mm -hmm. and then when she as she gets to heaven she realizes that this character development that comes through friendship is um, a fundamental part of living a good life yeah good all right so um in the end we we, we both love this i'm going to go on record as saying that this is one of the three best series finales in my opinion ever mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe the best. So yeah. my top three are, um, in no particular order, uh, Boardwalk Empire, mm -hmm. Penny Dreadful, okay. and The Good Place. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And to that, um, I think I would just add one thing. Hmm. Take it sleazy. <laughs> Forking shirt balls. <laughs> Okay, Rich, what are we liking this week? So, obviously we're liking The Good Place, but we've, mm -hmm. we've been through that. Um, we've been watching Lost in Space. We just finished the... Season two? Yep, yeah, second season, so um, pretty good. Uh, I didn't like it quite as much as the first season. It had a little, maybe too much action for me, and I kind of prefer when the Robinsons are by themselves instead of when they're with the, the much bigger community. Yeah, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Um, also, I think part of what's fun about Lost in Space is just the, the way that you're never satisfied with Dr. Smith, right? They, they, they capture Dr. Smith and lock Dr. Smith up, and Dr. Smith is out in no time. There's no justice, and it, it goes on and on. This season didn't have the same sort of level of just feeling confounded and frustrated, you know, mm -hmm. Dr. Smith continually getting away with things. In the background, quite a bit more. Seemed like almost all of them were in the background a good portion of the time, mm -hmm. whereas in the the first season they were the stories had them all kind of intertwined in a way that you know every story arc seemed pressing from the yeah you know, first episode to the very end. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but not um, not as fun. So we saw the turning um, last week, which is. Based on the, the Henry James, um, the turning of the screw, I think only sort of very mm -hmm. loosely based. Um, probably don't want to say too much about that because it's still in the theaters. But um, the, the reviews are not good. And yet, um, this is another one of these um, kind of horror-esque um, shows that, that I just thought was a blast. Yeah, it was fun. It was, it was loads of fun. Um, some great performances. Um, Okay, so what else? Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm's on. We'll talk about that at the end of the season, but I'm happy to report that it's a much better season than the previous the one. Um, so it seems like it's it's back in full swing. Lots of good stuff going on there. Um, we saw a, a sort of low-budget thing um, 
called AMI, um, Artificial Machine, Machine Intelligence. <laughs> on Netflix. On Netflix that, that was sort of surprisingly good, and I recommend. Or fun, anyway. Fun horror. I don't know if it was good. Surprisingly fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's kind of low budget. And, yeah. And, yeah, fun. Yeah, um, so uh, apparently AI is dangerous. Uh, <laughs> they, they were not swinging for the fences with that yeah. one. Um, but but yeah, real pleasurable. And then I don't I don't know exactly how you feel about this, but let me say what I'm really 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 not liking. Mm-hmm. Um, we went and saw Gretel and Hansel, and I just thought it was painful from start to finish. I didn't dislike it as much as you did, but I I, I also thought it wasn't very good. Uh, the, the dialogue yeah. was terrible. It was poorly delivered. So it was it was made worse by by how it was delivered. Um, it looked like it was filmed with really lousy cameras. It just it just felt drab the whole time. Um, there's a, a feminist message in there, which is good. You know, Gretel's, um, <clears throat> you know, sort of taking over the the trope of the the witch and doing what she wants to do with it, which is a nice message. But then they contrasted her with the other witch, who. Um, was just completely obsessed with beauty. It's a horrible caricature of how women sometimes are, according to the filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, talk about stepping on your own point. You've got this one really positive character, and then the other one's just, you know, I'm not going to be vapid like the other women kind of thing. So that mm-hmm. that was, um, I, it was, it was pretty disappointing. Um, the, the best part of it, um, about, I don't know, 20 minutes in, I had to use the restroom, and um, so as I was walking down the hall in the movie theater, I, I surfed um, the web on my phone a little bit. <laughs> and that, that seemed good. And then, then I got back. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm back in this thing. <laughs> so um, hopefully we'll, we'll see more stuff that's better. Good things coming out, right? Fantasy Island and, and all that. I don't know <laughs> if we're going to get to it opening weekend. Um, being a product of the 70s, I'm really excited about Fantasy Island. Okay, Rach, that's a wrap. Another episode is in the can, and once again, everything has come up Charbonneau. Please visit our webpage, that's I think they'reforifan.com, all one word, to find out about upcoming episodes. If you would like to support I Think Therefore I Fan, please go to the webpage. Click on the link at the top of the page that says Donate and follow the instructions. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you enjoy this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating. It helps. See you next time.